Purpose peeps, welcome back to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we feature phenomenal women of faith in business. I am your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and chief connector at Black Girls of Purpose. And if you're listening to this, you're catching one of our episodes in Rewind. That is an episode that we had from a previous season that we have replayed. Um, So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that it's encouraging to you and that you'll share it with a friend. So without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we talk about faith, friendships, and feature boss women from the Black Girls of Purpose community. I'm your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and CEO of Black Girls of Purpose. Hey, Purpose peeps, we're back with the second episode of our Hope series. Last week, we introduced this new series by discussing that hope is a sense of confident expectation or trust in God that what he has promised will come to pass in his perfect timing. We also learned that hope, like faith, cannot be dictated by what we see, and it is often developed through trials, pain, and suffering. But we maintain hope by keeping our eyes on our King and understand that he is with us always through everything. If y'all are new to the Black Girls with Purpose community, um, welcome. My name is Bree. Uh, This particular series is very personal to me. Um, Even for those who have listened before, a lot of times I feel like when I get on this podcast and share, I'm sharing from a place of deliverance. Like, oh, this is something I went through last month or this is something I went through last week. But for this series that we're doing right now, it's something that I'm dealing with currently. I've shared before and I will continue to share because it's just a part of our testimony that uh, I am believing that God, if he so desires, can declare my husband and myself and our family uh, debt free, that we are going to be wealthy one day and we'll be able to be a blessing to others financially. And we are committed to seeing that promise come to pass, but it's not happening in our timing. For those of you who do not know, we moved to Texas recently. It'll be, it's two months, uh, which is crazy to me. It seems like the time has gone by uh, really fast. And I remember right before we moved, I was telling people like, oh yes, we're moving because of the financial relief. And my husband kept telling me, well, no, that's not why we're moving. And I'm like, it's not because that's what I see is, you know, we're gonna be able to live with our, my parents for a while and kind of save up some money. And he was like, no, because the grass is not always greener on the other side, that there may come expenses that we weren't expecting and that sort of thing. And he was right. We have moved and um, though we have a different area code or zip code, I mean, we are still facing many of the same financial, um, I don't know if I would call them setbacks, but challenges that we were when we were in New Orleans. And at the end of the of last year, it wasn't really discouraging because it was like, okay, you know, this, the newness of being in a new city and kind of starting over. But January hit and I, I shared last week on the podcast and that's how we've even started this series and God was just showing me you're still mourning in some ways or you are mourning in some ways because you thought that your financial breakthrough was going to come in 2018. 
And even to go further back than that, our current financial circumstance is a compilation of a few things. It started out with God disciplining myself and my husband uh, for not being good stewards financially, that we didn't really have a budget. We didn't have any kind of way to track our spending. We, we didn't take time to pray and fast over big financial purchases like the purchase of our Jeep. And so we have debt. We have um, just uncertainty about certain things when it comes to our finances. And that's played a bigger toll on me because I feel like, dang, God, I knew better. But I couldn't apply the wisdom in the moment. Like for the car, for example, I shared this on my money story, but I had gone through Financial Peace University. I'd heard all the things about not buying a car new, but buying a used car in cash and that sort of thing. And I still was like, but it's fancy, you know? And I I don't think even in the moment I was consumed with that, but I just didn't take the time I needed to pray about the decision. And scripture says, even zeal without knowledge is not good. And the one who acts hastily sins. And that definitely personifies and represents how we acted previously with our finances that it was just like it ain't tricky if you got it okay it's in the it's in the account let's go not understanding okay yes we have money in the account but that needs to go towards the electric bill at the end of the week or that needs to go towards food or whatever the case may be and so in this season which it's been a, a pretty long season um 18 months since my my son was born we have left traditional employment God called us to entrepreneurship which I thought was a interesting plot twist um we actually in the beginning got into more debt right after God showed us that we were gonna get out of debt or what I felt promised me that we were gonna get out of debt we acquired more debt because that's when our finances went into what I call the sunken place and so we just were strapped for money on a monthly basis even this week I found myself because all of our bills were due this week and so or last week as of the podcast publication but I found myself being like Lord are we really here again not knowing where money is going to come from for bills like and I know it's like Lord I know I know you provide for us every time and it's like do we always have to be down to the wire every single month like I'm exhausted and um I just I felt throughout this week that God is allowing me to go through this so that I am speaking on this podcast from a place of experience because I think if I were to come on here and say how to have hope in hopeless situations and only speak from, yeah, last month, this is what I was going through, then I don't think it would be as relatable and I don't think it would be as poignant. But because these scriptures that I'm going to share with you today and over the course of the rest of the series are things that I am studying every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, multiple times in a week, then I think you're going to be able to better connect with me. At least that's what I'm praying. So I wanted to give y'all that background and that history because I want you to know that 
I'm not sharing anything that I share today from this lofty point of, oh yes, many moons ago, this was me. This is me right now, and I'm having to apply the very things that I am preaching. So I'm excited to continue through this series. Y'all know that I do monthly updates, and I am hoping, right, hope, I am hoping that by the end of this month, I have something different to report. But currently, you know, yes, praise the Lord. He supplied our needs again. Our bills are paid, but it was still in a way we weren't expecting. And um, there's still more for him to get from us, I guess, in this season. Uh, Still more for him to purify us from. And so we're just trusting and we're waiting. Hey, Purpose Peeps, I hope you're enjoying the lesson for this week. I jumped on here briefly to remind you that if you'd like alerts when new podcasts are posted, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Remember, our podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, just to name a few. So whether you're Team iPhone or Team Android, we've got something for you. That's all for now. Let's get back into today's episode. First Peter 5.10 reads, Now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. And I know that that's not a, you're like, but why does it even take suffering for us to go through things? And we're going to talk about that um, today. And we're going to talk about that through the remainder of this series. I, uh... I speak a lot on this and, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time and emphasizing that suffering comes along with the Christian journey because there are people who are listening to this podcast and you believe like, oh, well, because I'm going through this, then clearly God isn't with me or maybe I don't know God the way that I thought I did. And I just want to let you know that that's a lie from the enemy, that God is with you, that he sees you. And um, he always has a plan for what you're going through, even when you can't see it. And I think that's a perfect segue to our focus passage for today. It's the story of the girl restored and the woman healed. And it comes out of Mark 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 22. And it says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Him is referring to Jesus. It says, and begged him earnestly, saying, "My little, li- my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live." So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians had spent all her money, all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? 
and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher, which is another reference to Jesus, any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. So the first um, truth that I notice in this scripture that we read, and we're actually going to look at how this truth applies to other stories in the Bible, is that it's okay to acknowledge our need. It's okay to acknowledge our need. When we look at this story, we don't see that Jairus, the mother of, I mean, the father of the little girl, or the woman with the issue of blood pretending that they were okay. Both of them came to Jesus desperate for healing. And I think that sometimes this may be tough for us as Christians because we don't want to seem like we don't believe. Like sometimes we think that by acknowledging our problem, by saying, okay, I am sick or I am in debt or you know, my marriage is struggling that we're somehow saying we don't believe that God can change those things. But I just think of the scripture that says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed and not necessarily that whatever you're going through, your affliction is a sin. But I think by talking about it, you receive healing. And we're going to, we're actually interviewing someone at the end of the month on the podcast. And she uh, was went through a divorce recently and she was just talking about we talked offline about how sometimes in the black community especially we kind of just suffer silently and I think it's so important that especially as believers we don't do that that we acknowledge our needs that we come to God he says to not be anxious about anything but in everything come to him with thanksgiving in our heart and the peace of God and make our requests unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so when Jairus comes to Jesus and when the woman comes to Jesus, they do so acknowledging their need. Jairus says, hey, my daughter's at the point of death. And I also saw this happen in two other stories that we're going to study today. It was in John 11 as well, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, uh, the brother of Martha and Mary. And it says that the the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, the Lord, the the one that you love is sick. And then there was another passage of scripture where Jesus heals um, a centurion's 
servant and a centurion is just like a he's a commander of like a hundred people and he Jesus heals him with just a word and it's really uh, amazing but that centurion comes to Jesus and says it comes out of Matthew 8 and it says when Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him asking for help Lord he said my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly so you see all three of these people acknowledge their need. They didn't say, oh, you know, Lord, everything's okay. Like, we're in debt, but it's not a big deal. Or, yes, we've been sick for months, but you know, that's just part of our reality. The sickness just runs in our family. Or, as I shared earlier, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, our marriage isn't great, but whose marriage is great, right? I mean, and, and I think that all of those things... I think anytime you feel tempted to keep things to yourself or to suffer silently, I think that that is also a ploy from the enemy because he wants you to, whatever you keep in the dark, you can't be healed from. And I, I love something that I heard once. It said that whatever you do not acknowledge will uh, tear you apart from the inside out. And that's just such a, a big truth. And I think that we do God a disservice by thinking that he can't handle our questions or our honesty. And he knows how we're feeling for real. So we might as well say, God, you already know that I'm not really understanding why I'm in this situation, but I'm asking you to help me. Uh, I think again about James one and three. Um, and it talks about considering it pure joy whenever we endure trials of any kind, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then in James 1 and 5, scripture says that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God who gives it willingly and without reproach. And what I think is so interesting is we know both of those scriptures, right? Those are very common scriptures in our faith, but I didn't make a link to the two or between the two until maybe a couple months ago. Because I was like, oh my gosh, it's ask, it's saying, and I read this in my commentary Bible, that you can ask for wisdom about your suffering, about your trials, and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? What am I supposed to learn from this? And you can only do that by acknowledging that your trial or suffering even exists. And sometimes it's going to happen on a daily basis. Like I know this week specifically when it has come to our finances, every day that I've waken, woken up, I've just been like, Lord, we're still here. <laughs> I thought we'd be out of this by now, but we're not. So I need you to continue to align my heart with your heart and show me whatever it is that I'm not seeing. And what I'm noticing, though, y'all, is that We're able to focus on God when we acknowledge our need. Because if I act like it doesn't happen, then I'm just trying, I'm relying on my own strength to get through it. But if I say like, Lord, I need you to help me, then it, it invites him in to do the healing. And we see that also in the, the three stories that we are studying. So in Mark 5, 23, Jairus comes to Jesus and says, hey, God, my daughter is near the point of death. In Mark 5, 24, it says Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. 
And then in John eleven three, it says, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And John eleven four said, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. And then Matthew 8, 5 says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And then in Matthew 8, 7, it says, I will come and heal him, Jesus told him. Now, again, it's not like God doesn't know what our circumstances are, but I think something powerful happens when we acknowledge them to him because it it shifts our focus off of ourselves and it shifts our focus onto him. And then it also shows that we acknowledge that he's with us in the midst of our situation, which is what we talked about last week, knowing that it's so important to understand that no matter what you're going through, you are never going through it apart from our king, that he is always with you in the fire the way that he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the first choice, I mean, the first truth that we see from this passage is that it's okay to acknowledge our need. But then the second truth is that once God steps in, once Jesus steps into our situation, it's our choice to believe, to believe what he says, to believe what he's going to do, um, and I think this is exciting because it ties into what we said last week about it not being based off of what we see. Uh, Jairus says in Mark 5, 23, my daughter is near death, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. He doesn't say she might live or she could live. He says she will live. So he was choosing to believe. He wasn't even, he's on a road with Jesus. He's not even in the house. He can't see his daughter. He doesn't know that, you know, she may be getting even worse. He just is choosing to believe. And the woman says, if only I can touch his clothes, I will be made well. Again, she doesn't say I could be made well or I should be made well. She says I will be made well. She's choosing to believe. I love in uh, John 11, after Lazarus has died and Jesus comes to Mary and Martha and he's talking with them and, and he encounters Martha first and she's like, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But, you know, I know that you can redeem the situation basically. And God's like, oh yeah. Or Jesus says, you know, I can, I, I can raise him from the dead. And she's like, yeah, no, he'll be resurrected. She's talking about the ultimate resurrection. And God, Jesus is like, no, like now I can raise him right now. She said, but he says that you have to believe. And so then in John eleven forty, 40, Jesus has just told uh, Martha to remove the stone from Lazarus tomb. And she's like, Oh Lord, he's been dead for four days. Like the stench is going to be so bad. And he says, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. And then in the story with the centurion, Matthew eight in verse eight, and then eight, verse 13, it says, Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be cured. And then in verse 13, it says, then Jesus told the centurion, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was cured at that very moment. And what this shows me is that we as Christians cannot be jaded by our situation. Uh, We have to trust that because we have acknowledged our need, God is going to step in. And then we have to choose to believe that the breakthrough he's promised because he promises that suffering isn't permanent so that you can't even say 
oh, well, Brie, like, how does that apply to me? Anywhere in the Bible where they're suffering, it, there's, it's not permanent. And the woman that we in, were interviewing on the podcast, she said that in our interview uh, yesterday, she was just saying, like, if you're still suffering, then that means it's not over yet. Because we know that God is not a God of, of permanent suffering, that he came for our deliverance. And so we can't be jaded by our situation. We have to choose to speak life over it. And we have to believe the, the life-giving words that God speaks over it. I know for me, um, this is so important in marriages. I think that um, we as a body of Christ have started to embody the world more than uh, the word when it comes to our marriages, that we give up on them very easily, that you know people speak death over our marriages and and instead of believing what god says about marriage and his design for marriage we believe what other people think and we start surrounding ourselves with people who have given up on our marriage and and you know it's like scripture says uh bad company corrupts good morals that even if you have enough faith if your sister or your mom doesn't have enough faith then you're stacking the odds up against yourself to push through that particular thing And we have to be diligent about the company that we keep. And we have to, um, again, focus on what God is saying, not on what we see. So what that might look like is in the example of marriage, we can say, okay, yes, we might even be separated by now. But if the Lord wills, we can come back together again. Uh, Yeah, it took me a little longer to graduate than I expected, but I'm still going to do it. Oh, I thought I would have a new job by now, but clearly the best opportunity that God has for me isn't ready yet. Or yes, I thought I would be in a relationship. Yes, I thought I'd have children. Yes, I'd be out of debt, but I'm going to choose to believe what he says. I'm going to acknowledge my need. Lord, I want to have children. Lord, I want to be out of debt. Lord, I want to be in a relationship. Lord, I need a new housing situation, but then I'm going to stand on what his word says. I'm going to look at scriptures like Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's what I think is so beautiful about this is that you may think, okay, Brie, well, in these situations, you're saying that they had to believe what Jesus said, but Jesus was right there in the midst of their situation. And yes, he was physically there with them, but he is spiritually here with us. We have the Holy Spirit within us to encourage us and equip us. And and we have to feed our Holy Spirit. Like we have to make sure that we're staying girded up in the word of God so that even in moments when we're not feeling the most hopeful about a situation, we can tap into our Holy Spirit and be like, okay, but this is what the Lord says about me. This is what he says about my situation. I have written on more note cards than I can count uh, when it comes to scriptures that encourage me about our finances. And um, even this morning, I was crying out to God and he brought me to Psalm 42, 5. It says, why are you downcast on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? But then it says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then he brought me to Lamentations 3. It says, but this I call to my mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And that's verse 21 through 24. 
And so if I'm not guarding myself up with the word, if I'm not spending time in God's presence, then yes, it is easy for me to be hopeless in seemingly hopeless situations. But if I choose to first, like we said, acknowledge my need and then believe that he is going to step in and believe what he says about my situation, then I will continue to find the endurance to keep moving forward in this journey that's ahead because I don't know the end I don't know how long God's gonna have us in this season but I know that he's gonna be with us through it and I know that he's gonna be the one who sustains us through it and it makes me think of Isaiah 40 uh verses verse 31 that says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint and the weight on the Lord piece is key because even in all of these situations that we've talked about in the little girl's life, in the woman's life, in the centurion's life, and in the, in Lazarus life, they all had to wait on God to step in. He didn't come right when they called him. He was like in motion, but he, they still had to wait. They still had to trust the process, which is what we're going to talk about later in the series. And Again, you may be like, Lord, does it take all that? And I have, I've battled with this thing where I'm like, God, I really feel like we probably could have taken a faster journey, but God always knows what he's doing. And this is where that confident trust definition comes in that God, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not sure why this is the route we have to take, but I do believe in you. I believe that your plans for me are good that you love me, that you will never leave me or forsake me, that your power is made perfect in weakness. And these are the kinds of scriptures that you have to have in your heart so that you can spit them off with ease and just say, God, I'm not even feeling this thing right now, but I know this is what your word says to me. The last truth that I see uh, in this passage of scripture, and this is specifically in uh, Mark 5, the girl restored and the woman healed is that when your breakthrough comes not everyone will see what you see Um, and 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 as you prepare for your breakthrough not everybody can be a part of your journey so I'll repeat that when your breakthrough comes not everyone will see what you see but also in the preparation for your journey or preparation for your breakthrough not everyone can be a part of your journey And I get that from the part of scripture that says, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw tumult, which I wanted to define tumult for y'all because I think it's just so awesome. It says a loud, confused noise, especially one caused by a large mass of people. I'll tell you why I think that definition is awesome. Um, but it says, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw all tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. So there are two things. First, the not everybody can be a part of your journey. God was, or Jesus, I, I use their names interchangeably because they are one. Um, but Jesus only lets Peter, James, and John come with him. And then 
not everyone is going to believe. So it says that Jesus asked them, why this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only asleep. It says, and they ridiculed him. Other translations read, they laughed at him. And not everyone's going to understand your journey. Some people are going to think you are crazy for believing what you believe. That, well, girl, what? no, there's no way y'all can get out of debt. You don't have any money. You barely getting by month to month to pay expenses and you're gonna you expect God to provide extra on top of your needs or girl you you know our family we come from a family where women we just we just stay single we don't get married because men don't want to deal with us or you know oh well no you can't go to that school because you're not qualified for that school you don't have the grades you're you're probably not going to graduate even if you do get in like people speak these things they laugh at us they ridicule us But that's why we have to be intentional about who we're on this journey with that my friend Christina says, like, you know, you can't tell everybody your promises. And um, I think that's true to some extent. And sometimes you don't know who you can tell your promises to until you share them and and you see their reaction. So for some people, you're going to say, yeah, I'm believing God's going to pay off our debt or I'm believing that we're going to get pregnant or whatever the case may be. And if people respond based off of what they see, then you know that that may not be necessarily the company that you need for that particular journey. That doesn't mean you cut this person off completely, but you're like, okay, if this is something I need prayer for, I know I'm not going to come to you. I love you. You know, I, I want us to continue to pursue unity, but I have to surround myself with people who are going to remind me of what God has told me, not people who are going to laugh at me or ridicule me. And I uh, think of something that my dad and I talk about sometimes. We talk about how there are people who will speak against your visions or they'll speak against your dreams just because of their own experiences. Like my sister is out in LA and she's uh, pursuing acting and everyone will tell you, oh my gosh, that's a a tough field or LA is so expensive. And it's like, she knows these things, but if she knows that God has led her out there, then he knows he's not going to leave her or forsake her. And he knows that she knows that he's going to use everything for his glory, that he's going to supply her needs, that if she practices Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, then she will lack no good thing. And I think we also as Christians have to be careful of what we say with to other people, that we cannot speak death over a situation because of what we've experience personally and this just makes me think of marriage again I I love marriage so much I it's I it's just such a powerful part of my ministry and I hate when people who have not been in good relationships speak ill about marriage like oh you sure you want to do that first people who have never been married and then even if you have been married and you had got a divorce and maybe that wasn't the right person or whatever the case may be to speak ill over someone else's marriage or to you don't even have to do that you can be around somebody and that you don't know that they're considering getting married and you're like oh girl this marriage thing I just don't know if I could do it we have to be considerate of the words that we speak your uh the bible says be gracious 
or let our that our our speech should be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that it may benefit or build up everyone who's listening. And that's again why we have to be in, intentional about the company that we keep, and we have to make sure that we are company worth keeping. That we are the type of people who speak life into our friends' relationships and into their careers and into their aspirations and their dreams. That we will be amongst those who will stand with them and believe. These people that were outside of the house, it says that they were a tumult. And I said, I was going to tell you why that definition was so powerful to me. The loud, confused noise says that they were confused. So they were weeping. And God's like, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And that's how it is with us. We have people who are around us who are confused that they think that they have witnessed the death of our promise or the death of our dream. And that they have started mourning that they're like, oh, girl, I'm just so sorry that that didn't work out for you. Or, you know, I know that that house didn't close when you were expecting or I'm so sorry your your graduation date got pushed back. And we just have to say what Job says, though he slays me, yet will I trust him? Like even in situations where it is clear that God has allowed some suffering to occur, it is not. It does not give us permission to take our eyes off him or to all of a sudden stop believing what he said like we have to stand firm on his promises and we have to keep the faith we have to believe we have to trust the process and not be moved by what we see and even in the midst of what seems like a hopeless situation in the words of Jesus in this in this and, and and what he shared with Jairus as he was walking to revive his daughter from the dead. We have to choose not to be afraid and just believe. And if you'd get nothing else from today's message, that's what I want you to get. Do not be afraid, just believe. I think that for me with our finances, um, that is something that I've had to come to grips with lately is man maybe I'm just afraid that this isn't going to happen for me that we're always going to be in this situation and it's like the devil in the in the garden of Eden and we talked about this on the wisdom series it's like did God really say you're going to do this did God really say you'd be financially free did God really say to be able to be blessed to be a blessing and 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 sometimes just in those like really quiet moments or in that the 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 late evenings where I'm looking at our money and I'm looking at the rest of the month that we have left and stuff isn't making sense. Sometimes that fear does try to creep creep in, but I still have to stand back on what the word says. Don't be afraid, just believe. And so I pray that no matter where you are in the season, no matter what your hopeless situation is, that you will not be afraid, that you will just believe. And I think that if you continue to push through if you continue to maintain hope that he will do exceedingly and abundantly as Ephesians 3:20 says above all that you could ask or think Hey, Purpose Peeps, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast episode for this week. We covered a lot of things, so I wanted to just do a brief recap so that you could um, meditate on these truths throughout the week. 
as we looked at this story of the girl restored and the woman healed, and we actually looked at the story of Lazarus, and we looked at the centurion story, uh, we learned three things. First, we learned that it is okay to acknowledge our need, that if we are in a seemingly hopeless situation, it's okay for us to say, God, I need you in this. I'm not sure what you're doing because it invites him in. Second, we learn that once we invite him into our situation by acknowledging our need, we have to choose to believe what he says about our situation. Um, it may be hard because it, we, he's usually not going to say something that aligns with what we see, but we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this whole hope series is talking about confident trust because we have to believe God is who he says he is, which is also not limited uh, by what we see. Lastly, we learn that, yes, we acknowledge our need, and as we do, we're inviting God to come in, and we have to choose to believe, but that even when our breakthrough or our healing or our restoration comes, not everyone's going to believe what they see, and not everybody can be a part of our journey. I think that that part is extremely important because there may be some really big things that are coming up soon for you that your breakthrough may be coming or maybe just preparation for your breakthrough and you have to be careful of who you're going to let in on your dreams because we want to be surrounded by people who are speaking life and not death over our situation people who are not uh, laughing at us but they're prepared to rejoice with us because they have been a part of the journey and I think, y'all, as we close out, I, I just want to let you know that hope is really essential uh, as in the life of a believer. And unfortunately, it is often associated with pain and suffering. But God loves us so much that he wants us to become more like his son. And that's why he allows us to go through some things. And if he let Jesus die on the cross for our sins, and then why do we think that we're not going to have to go through anything? So I just pray that you've been blessed by this week um, and that you have some nuggets that you can share out to people and uh, that you'll just go back and listen again if you have a need. And that may not be in this situation, in this particular season. I think I talked last week about how if you're not in a storm currently, you either recently came out of a storm or you're about to go into a storm. And so I pray that you'll just keep this episode in your back pocket in case you have that need. Uh, I did want to introduce a new um, part of the podcast that I'm going to be including each week, and that is a verse to meditate on and a song to listen to that kind of applies the truths that we shared throughout the lesson for the particular day or the particular week. Uh, I think that this is going to help cement the truths that we discuss, and I also think it'll just be a a good encouragement because you know you may not have time to listen to the full episode, but if you can listen or read the scripture that we talked about, or you can read the passage of scripture that we chose to meditate on, or listen to the song that we talked about, you can get that little boost of encouragement that you need, almost like a five-hour energy drink. And so the uh, scripture God gave me for this week is Romans 5, 3 through 4. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame. And that is such an important part, y'all. Hope does not put us to shame. God is not putting you in this situation that you're in to disappoint you. Ultimately, he is doing everything that he is doing so that he can get the glory. And I promise you the testimony is going to be more beautiful than you can believe. And then the song I want to encourage you all to listen to this week is called Prophesy Your Promise by Brian and Katie Torwaltz. This song is so powerful to me. Um, It just talks about believing in spite of what you see, which is exactly what we've been talking about during this hope series. And I hope that you will read that scripture and listen to that song throughout this week. That if you're feeling like, Brie, I don't know if I can do it, you'll go back to those two things and then pray, acknowledge your need. And if you have not already, please subscribe to our email list at blackgirlsofpurpose.org slash join. You'll get a welcome email from me that has our purpose pathway guide. It's just designed to help you pursue purposeful living. We'll actually be publishing another episode this week, so make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. It's never that easy to choose purpose, but I would die to my flesh, live a life of worship. I'm really, really, really trying to make it into heaven. I'm trying to him say two words like, well done, done, done.